and welcome to another rowing chat. Today I have a very special guest with me, Brian Kitch. Welcome. Thanks. Great to be here. Now, before we kick off, we're just going to thank our sponsors, who are the people who keep us alive and kicking and publicizing. And if you, the listeners, could please click through and look at their websites, we would really appreciate it. The first is Faster Masters Rowing, a new subscription coaching service from Marlene Royal. Does your group train without a regular coach or do you get frustrated that you're coming second in races or not making race finals? If you're struggling with adapting your rowing technique and training as you age, let the experts help you. Marlene Royal's been coaching older athletes for decades. She understands the needs of masters, and so she's created monthly downloadable training plans in six modules. Every month, you get a training program, a technique program, land training exercises, peak performance tips, rowing lifestyle advice, and a bonus module. The plans are available for individuals, crews, or for a complete club. The Faster Masters Rowing Program is the solution that will make you row faster this year. Click on the program's link at www.fastermastersrowing.com. And our second sponsor relates to digging your oars deep in the water. It's a challenge for many of us, and the canny engineer Ian Randall has come up with a solution that both prevents digging and also makes a boat go faster. Randall Foils launched during 2019. These ingenious devices are glued or taped to the top edge of your oar. Get a discount on our sponsors page, rowing.chat forward slash sponsors. Brian, welcome. I can't believe we've known each other for a while and I've never had you on as a guest. It's my fault. Well, I think I, I might have contributed to to at least a couple of things, but not uh, not face to face, as it were. <laughs> Let's tell the listeners a little bit about yourself and your personal background in rowing. Um, well, I started off as a club rower at uh, UCLA, um, so I did that for four years, and um, then uh, at the end of that, I ended up uh, rowing for the New York Athletic Club. Um, for a couple of seasons or summer seasons um, and competing at Henley uh, Regatta or Henley Royal. Um, and as part of that, I, I, I was sort of on my way to grad school um, and uh, I wanted to continue to row. I was going to go, go to grad school at, uh, at King's College London and uh, one of the teams we competed against uh, was London Rowing Club. Um, and met a lot of the folks there and, and decided that was the place I needed to, to try to go. So um, raced, raced for a full year with, uh, with London Rowing Club while I was, while I was in grad school. And then, um, yeah, I've kind of, uh, that's, you know, competitive wise, those, those were sort of my most, most competitive years uh, longer ago now than I uh, care to think about. But um, yeah, and then I've, I've also done a decent amount of, uh, of, uh, training like indoor training sort of a, i've worked with josh crosby doing indo row um that side of a thing so uh did that around los angeles for a couple of years as well so fantastic and now i first got to know you when you started the rowing related blog which was back in 2010 can you remember what was your original vision for it uh well it, it's funny it, it was really um you know i i 
had gone to grad school and done uh, classical archaeology um, through through an MA, and I kind of I was originally sort of feeling like I was going to go on the academic track, and and uh, I got to the MA level, and I, I just felt like maybe what I was enjoying the most was was actually the writing and the sort of research and the creative part of it, um, and uh, my friend and I, uh, Justin Price, is now the head coach at. Uh, Rutgers for the for the women. Um, he and I came up with this idea to put together a site um, to talk about a lot of the stuff that we always talked about. Just we were teammates in college and roommates and all that. Um, and uh, you know, one of the goals being just to get my my writing out there in a, a subject that I had been you know at least I've been participating in the sport for about you know close to ten years at that point. So. Um, yeah, so the one of the goals was to kind of get out there and get my work uh, noticed by a couple of, you know, there's there's two major publications here in the U.S. Um, the, it's Rowing Magazine, now Rowing, well, it was Independent Rowing News, then it was Rowing News, then it was Rowing Magazine, now it's back to Rowing News. Um, but uh, yeah, so that uh, Chip Davis has been running that for 25 years, and then there's also Row2K, which most people know about as well, so um Chip Davis ended up hiring me um, to work for for Rowing News, and um, yeah, I got to do a bunch of travel for that, and um, got a lot of experience. So, you know, I've always always very grateful to to Chip for giving me a giving me a shot. So, do you consider yourself to be a journalist? Uh, I think ideally, I would still be a journalist, but I've, I've sort of that has become much more uh, marketing these days. So, um, I went from Rowing News to a travel magazine called Afar. Um, so I did, uh, some editorial, but also mostly content marketing for, for them, uh, social media. And then, uh, I've actually been working at a, a startup, uh, for the last three plus years, uh, here in San Francisco. Uh, so it's a, it's a software as a service, uh, company. Uh, so I've been doing the content strategy and, and, uh, digital marketing for them. Not much archeology span there then. No, not a lot of archaeology, um, unfortunately. But I do think I always find that the, the language training that went into that was at least you know useful from the editorial perspective. For sure. Now, you and I broadly, I think, started our sort of rowing media journalism blogging career around about the same time because mm -hmm. uh, I started the Row Perfect blog in I think two thousand and seven, and. Right. We both found blogging to be a really powerful way of connecting with an audience. When did you first realize it was it was really working? I think just looking at some of the analytics on some of the posts, um, you know, we we noticed that a lot of people were were reading it and um, started seeing, uh, you know, links to it go around the internet a bit. Um, so uh, yeah, that, I think fairly early on in the, you know the first three or four months, it, you know, it was clear that at least people were getting excited about it. And I think, the, you know, the approach, the idea behind the approach was to just have a, a little bit more of an edgy editorial um, take on on rowing coverage. Um, I think, you know, um, there's there's a lot of there's a lot of good writing about rowing. I think um, stylistically, we came in with a little bit more of a um, I guess, yeah, sort of like an edgier uh, approach, I guess, um, opinionated uh, approach. So uh, that was, I think people weren't as used to that. So I think it got some folks' attention early on. I definitely remember an early article with Mahi Drysdale, and it was called something like, Why Do Rowers Fear the Erg? Is that, was that yours? 
Yeah. So that, that was actually, that, that was a product of a long series of discussions between me and Justin, um, that, uh, um, yeah, we, we, you know, we, we were just sort of tired of reading articles about why burging is so terrible. Um, and, you know, I, I think generally it's, it's just a very good tool and everybody should do it if you're a rower and, you know, there's a lot of, you know, if you overdo anything, it can be bad. And if you have the wrong psychological approach to anything, it can be bad. So, you know, making sure that you, you take a careful psychological approach to it and, and using it like it's a training tool, like any other training tool, I feel like there's no reason for it to have the, uh, the negative press, I guess. I think so. It was it was lovely. And of course, you illustrated it with your own artwork. You're, you draw um, in pencil, is that right? Yeah, yeah, I think that might have been, yeah, it was pen and ink or pencil, I can't remember. But uh, yeah, I, I, you know, I obviously had no, I had no budget for photography. So I, uh, I needed to <laughs> improvise a bit there. And yeah, so um, did a few illustrations uh, fairly, fairly early on. Now, just a quick heads up, if anybody else has no budget for photography, uh, World Rowing runs a Flickr page where the photographs from the world champs and the under 23s and the juniors are always put and they're free to use as long as you credit them but obviously it's only photographs of internationals but, but it, there's quite a lot of imagery there if anyone's interested would have been a good resource to have back in back in the day there yeah back in the day. <laughs> now what i really want to focus on is the changing media landscape of how rowers and people who are interested in the sport get to read and find out about new fun stuff. So indulge me, let's do a quick skim through all the years that you've obviously been uh, in the sport and then reviewing it as a journalist and as a me as a marketer. Where are we now? So back in the day, there were print magazines. In the UK, British Rowing produces a magazine which is free to everyone who is a paid member of British Rowing. And you've mentioned Rowing News mm -hmm. in the US, which also serves Canada, is that right? Uh, yeah, I mean, there's coverage for, for all of North American rowing, yeah. And I know that certainly in the uh, early 90s, there was, an, uh, sorry, 2000, there was an attempt in Australia to relaunch a magazine there, but Australia no longer has a print magazine. They have a, a classified mag that doesn't really cover, doesn't really cover okay. journalism, I suppose, much. Yeah. Um, what, what do you know about other countries and, and how they get their rowing news in print? Does anyone do print -wise. it? Yeah, I mean, the, I mean, really, Row Three Hundred and Sixty is the is the one that I know, you know, internationally. Um, that uh, and you know, rowing and regatta has rebranded and tried to kind of reinvent itself a bit. I know in the UK, um, so you know, I think um, people because it's produced by British Rowing, um, you know, I think people are are skeptical of its independence at times uh, in terms of its journalistic viewpoints. But um, yeah, the those two stick out. Um, I'm not, there's a, I know there's a, um, a magazine in, the, in New Zealand as well. Um, and then again, name, it comes from, comes from the Federation. Yeah. 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 Um, but, uh, uh, yeah, it, it, here in the U S it's really, you know, it's been, it's been rowing news, uh, since about 1994. Um, and that started out, I mean, there was no, you know, way to get results. Um, from races at that point there, you know, row 2k didn't exist yet. Uh, you know, the internet was still relatively new. 
Um, so it started out, I think, as a bi-weekly, almost like a newspaper um, called the Independent Rowing News. And that has it gradually it was It was printed. It was really big. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It was much more like, um, you know, traditional newspaper um, mm-hmm. approach. And then that evolved over the years as, you know, when Row2K came along, um, you know, that changed the landscape. And um, they adapted and became monthly and, and went more for the kind of glossy print, you know, um, you know, the uh, high, high end kind of magazine approach. Um, and that's basically virtually stayed the same um, since that time. I know they've had, you know, uh, Rowing News has had various sort of versions of a website over the last few years. And I think they're working on some new things with video. But um, yeah, for the most for the most part, it's, um, you know, that that landscape has, has been virtually sort of locked in since the early 2000s, I would say. And you're right about um, Rowing and Regatta magazine. Um, I occasionally submit articles and get firmly rejected because I don't fit there. <laughs> I, I sent one in recently about the frustrations for masters rowers. Mm. No, they're not into problem solving. Yeah. <laughs> got, it, got it. Now you write for Row 360 and it was Benedict's the main man there. What's his vision for the print magazine? Again, a high-end glossy print. Yeah, I mean, I think they they um, just feel like uh, they they really want to take a um, you know a sort of mainstream media uh, very high end approach to to production. So they they just revamped their website. I'm not I I don't know Benedict that well, but I've yeah I've submitted a couple of pieces. I've mostly done illustrations for them, um, but. Um, yeah, I, I think, you know, from what I've seen, I, I think they're, they're doing a really nice job. I know they're working with a couple of um, pretty well-known uh, British Rome journalists. Um, and Steve MacArthur down yeah. in New Zealand is a regular contributor. So, um, yeah, I think, I think it's, I mean, it's a really nice-looking magazine, nice-looking product. And, and I think they do a nice job with their, um, you know, social media as well. They're very international, though. They're generally focused on international races. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think, you know, as a product, I mean, it's a British outfit. And I think, you know, it started off with this kind of focus. I mean, I think the the first feature ever was on Pete Reed and kind of Olympic experience and all that. It came out at Henley, I think, a few years ago. And um, yeah, I, I think they, you know, it's, 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 it's hard, right? I mean, there's, there's a lot of, of rowing that, just doesn't get any coverage at this point. Um, I mean, outside of maybe some local websites or, or news outlets, um, you know, there's a ton of of junior rowing here in the U.S. that, that you know that doesn't get a, a lot of coverage. Um, I know masters rowing doesn't get much coverage here either, um, and that's something that that you know that community is not always um, stoked about. Um, so, yeah, but it's 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 you know it really comes down to um, as far as where people get their news, um, I think, you know, obviously the, there's been, the, the rowing media has been dealing with the same thing that every other print publication has been dealing with, you know, um, media landscape wise. And, and there's been a, a big shift to, to social media as well. Um, so Now, Row2K, Ro- of course, started as a link service where they would just link to a news roundup of other people's rowing news on other websites. And that continues, mm-hmm. doesn't it? Yeah. Uh, so they they have a. Sorry, go ahead. 
I was going to say there was a UK equivalent back in the day, which Rachel Quarrell, who was one oh, of yeah. the British journalists you mentioned, she used to run, which now has Rowing died. That was Rowing Voice? Is it? Uh, Rowing Voice was a rebrand, but uh, yeah, the original okay. one was called the Rowing Service Notice Board. Okay. That, I, yeah, that, that is before my time, but yeah, that, uh, yeah, I, I, I know she, she still tweets from the handle the Rowing Voice, right? So. She does when she's and she covers international regattas. So she goes to the FISA regattas for I think the Daily Telegraph um, newspaper. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So she's a traditional stringer. Yeah, she's regularly in Row Three Sixty as well. I think she did their coverage for for Worlds this year. Um, That's right. So, but yeah, yeah. um, I think uh, you know Row Two K has been. um, They've evolved over the years. They've um, you know they still have that their main. You know, the main page is, is that list of, of um, you know, curated links, um, as, you, as you mentioned. But they, they have um, some folks working for them now that are, are writers. Ed Moran was, a, was at U.S. Rowing until a couple of years ago, maybe. Um, and he's, I think he's a staff writer for them now. Um, and obviously, they do all the photography. Um, so um, I'm not sure, you know. Uh, I, I, mean, I think it's, it's just they've found a, a kind of lean, efficient model that seems to be sustainable, and you know they're just keeping it tipping, sort of keeping it ticking over. Is it the place where people in North America go to get their rowing fix, like at lunchtime? You know, you check in. I mean, I think on a on a daily basis, um, that's you know they they're able to because they have such a sustainable model, they're able to update that you know, uh, every 24 hours. So, um, but I would say a lot of kids, are, you know, well, no, I, you know, I'm uh, just based on my experience. I think a lot of people are going to social media outlets now to just to find, you know, Stuff. find out about what's going on. Yeah, I think well, the more uh, rowing folks that have embraced Instagram, um, you know, I think the athletes themselves, like international athletes are connecting directly with, you know, fans and the rowing world, et cetera, at this point too. So, um, yeah, uh, social media definitely plays a role in that as well, I think. Yeah, I loved Row 2K's Rowing News of the Weird section, which I kind of feel they should pull that into a book. It's just too good. <laughs> mm. um, but you're right. Uh, Instagram obviously is is the new-ish kid on the block and rowing is huge on Instagram. And yet, is it really news? I mean, what do you see on your Instagram feed? Yeah, I mean, I think the a couple of years back, I think it was it was really sort of felt new and fresh, and and everybody was um, kind of getting it. You know, everyone is excited about it. Um, I think it evolved. Well, it, it partly, you know, the Instagram went away from from the chronological to the algorithmic timeline, which kind of made it less newsy. Um, but then also, um, you know, I think at this point we're just sort of inundated with reposter accounts. And obviously like I, you know, rowing related was a reposting account for the most part too, because people want to share their photos and if you have a wide following, they want to share it with you so you can help them grow their following and it, that works. It all makes sense. And that's still continues in, in a lot of, you know, a lot of different sectors as well. I mean, it's, that's the bread and butter of travel Instagram too. So, um, but, uh, yeah, I think, you know, um, that's evolved a little bit. Um, I think for me, there's just less, you know, 
there's a little bit of a been there, done that sort of feeling there for me now. Um, but then, you know, certainly take nothing away from other folks that are doing a nice job of that. And I think that they're continuing to do that. I think th then there's also the, the kind of the fat ergos evolution of, of Instagram where, you know, it's, it's the complete opposite end of the spectrum where you go from trying to curate a very sort of beautiful feed um, to the just whatever meme you can dig up and and um you know they're, they're quite clever i like those guys um but uh yeah it's it's not it's, it's definitely a breakaway from and i think that's partly why they're so popular is it's it's uh you know it's the um the answer to the uh, endless pictures of beautiful sunsets exactly <laughs> <laughs> so let's go deep and broad i mean social media for rowing is i think clustering into some very clear sort of niche groups there's a really active facebook group called masters rowing international with mm. an awful lot of beautiful sunsets but there are also deep discussions about uh, advice and you know who who has waterproof socks and you know dock shoes and all sorts of things like that then of course mm -hmm. there's always reddit there is i mean the reddit rowing community has been going for years and mm -hmm. is still pretty active yeah, there are some there are some old uh, discussion forums. I mean, the rowing illustrated boards, which Sean Wolf runs, is still yeah. there, and mm -hmm. I think Rexport Rowing is still there. I don't know if you were ever there, but so. that's not no, not me, but but uh, yeah, <laughs> it was a Usenet group, and if you know what a Usenet group is, you're definitely old. Um, <laughs> are you seeing a sort of balkanization with people splitting up into lots of tiny little subgroups? You know, the people who want to follow memes are all there doing it on Instagram. Where do you think, what do you think is actually happening in practice? Um, I'm not sure, to be honest. I, I think, it, I mean, um, the, you know, on the, on the red, I, I think they, they tend to split up kind of based on demographics a little bit, at least as far as I can tell. I think the Rowing Illustrated folks tend to be, to skew a little older. Um, mm -hmm. And I think the Reddit folks skew a little bit younger. Um, so, you know, the, the types of discussions and the types of things that are going to take off on one of those platforms are going to be pretty different. Um, I think um, for me, the most the most useful growing social media, I think, is is Twitter um, just because, huh. you know, yeah, I mean, it's it's you know, it's obviously it's real time um, and often, you know, the most influential folks are who are, you know, on the scene or are posting about it or providing insights and and um you know it's it's not um it, it, that seems to be where um some of the most interesting discussions take place at this point too just because i feel like the actual like i don't think the elite athletes generally are engaging much on uh on notice boards and you know reddit and that kind of thing um so um yeah they, but they do sometimes have, you know, they go back and forth on, on social media. And I think, you know, Matt Pinson does that a fair amount. And, yeah. um, you know, some of the, like Greg Stirls, maybe less so now, but, um, and Sarah Cook, um, you know, yeah. it's, yeah. So I, I think, you know, from a, a usefulness standpoint, I think, I think Twitter is great. Um, so, but yeah, I mean, I think, you know, it's kind of, they've all developed their own kind of uh, character and nature and, and they all, as a result, have a little bit different demographics that use it. And you can kind of, 
depending on what you're looking for, you can you can sort of go where where the the kind of news or coverage is that you want. I slightly sense that people stick with the thing that was hip and new when they were first into rowing. Like <laughs> as you said, you know, the rowing illustrated boards, uh, you know, and then Reddit is so broad, but I can see why it has a different user group. And then, of course, people who grew up with Twitter are into Twitter and people who are growing up with Instagram are doing that. Mm -hmm. And here are you and I talking on a podcast, which, of course, it's, again, even, even right. newer again. Mm -hmm. Tell us a little bit now about your future plans for rowing related, because you've reinvented it recently. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I sort of, you know, I, I went through a phase very early where I was, you know, very um, sort of structured in, in all my publishing. And I think I, you know, at the time I had a lot more more time to dedicate to it. Um, that was kind of where I was, you know, wanting to to put most of my energy. And it's how I kind of ended up on the the career path ultimately that I ended up on. And, you know, and again, thanks to thanks to Chip for taking a chance and, and um, you know, uh, hiring me at, uh, at Rowing News. So, um, but yeah, I, you know, after the site had been around for, for, well, I guess, you know, eight or eight years. Um, and it's, ex it's, it's always fun to, to publish things and see a reaction and, and, um, you know, uh, feel like people are reading what you're writing and, and, um, a lot of interesting things have come out of that. But then I also felt like, well, in order to justify the time, um, I think I need to make this into a little bit more of a premium um, setup. So, yeah, there's a there's a platform called Substack um, that is a local startup here in San Francisco, um, but is I think co-founded by a, a Kiwi. So um, <laughs> there's some other Kiwi tie-in for you. Hi, Hamish. Right, <laughs> right. Um, and uh, yeah, so. I, I would definitely recommend it to anybody that wants to start a newsletter. Um, it's uh, very easy to use and, and it has a payment integration and there's a kind of very easy to understand paywall um, and subscription type um, that you can outline. Um, and yeah, I, I think it's, it's been, you know, I, I kind of set a goal for, for this year in terms of what I would, what I would like to see as a kind of a side income. I, like I said, I, I, you know, I've got a full-time job doing other stuff at this point, but I, um, you know, I like like to keep a hand in the in rowing, um, uh, especially as 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 I get more into the marketing stuff. It's nice to do some, you know, some journalism, um, and I think part of the reason I like Substack for that reason too is that it's it's purely subscription based. There's no advertising, um, and you know, I feel like because I'm in marketing, I kind of get enough of the advertising stuff on a daily basis anyway. Um, so yeah, I just get to think purely about the, the editorial. So, um, yeah, so that's been, that's been fun. And I, you know, um, coming up already on almost like the, well, this will be issue, issue nine, I guess will be coming out pretty soon. Um, so, uh, getting towards a full year, um, and yeah, try to, try to do a couple of interviews at least a month. Um, and, uh, you know, have our own version of um, curated links as well, and and um, some continuing some of the uh, the editorializing and uh, you know um, opining about this that or the other. Tell the listeners an example of some of the articles that you've done and the interviews you've done. 
Well, one of my favorite ones, actually, I just recently published is with with Justin. He's, you know, he and I, like I said, we were teammates in college. Um, he had, you know, kind of, he went to law school after, right after um, college and, and got, um, he actually has, I think he, he, well, he has a JD, but he also passed the bar in California, ended up immediately going into rowing coaching. Um, and he was an assistant at UCLA for a long time. And I know his, his goal was to be a head coach. Um, and so getting, you know, when we both set out, you know, he was very early in that trajectory. So getting to interview him after his, you know, this is his second, going to be his second year at Rutgers, um, um, or sorry, his third year at Rutgers. Um, he, you know, um, he's really, uh, you know, it, it just, it's just fun. It feels like things are coming full circle, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I think some of, some of the, um, some of the articles, let's see, and I'm on the spot. Let me think of, I did, I did a long one with, um, with, uh, Neil Chigani and, um, and Matt Pinson about how the Henley sort of drone coverage was put together, um, which I feel like, you know, as, as I'm getting to kind of be totally free about what I choose to, to write about or getting into some of these more, I mean, it's, it's obviously related to rowing. It's a little tangential. Um, but uh, yeah, it's just how, how they put together that whole, you know, that I think it's some of the best coverage in the world. Um, so uh, yeah, getting the background on that and how, you know, all of the negotiating and, and et cetera that, that went into that. And then also getting to connect with folks like, like those two, you know, obviously it's, uh, it's pretty cool. Uh, so. It certainly is. And I was honored to be part of their live commentary team this year. Yeah. And so you're, right. um, that maybe we'll talk about that some other time. I was very lucky. I got to commentate on a dead heat race, which was just fluke. It was a New Zealand crew against London Rowing Club. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was the Vanganui. Vanganui, yeah, yeah. that's right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. That was an insane race. Yeah. No, it was right. something else. But hey, that's wow. Henley, isn't it? That's rowing. Yeah. We get yeah, insane yeah, yeah, races. Yeah. Right. right. So, thinking more, tell people what does it cost and how can they get onto the rowing related newsletter. Um, so yeah, it, it, you've got the URL helpfully there. Um, so uh, right here. Um, but- uh, And for people who are listening, it is? Uh, yes, it's uh, rowingrelated.substack.com. Um, and substack is spelled S-U-B-S-T-A-C-K. So um, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's, flat rate basically it's five bucks a month or 30 bucks for a year um and uh any credit card uh should work um the payment is handled through a platform called stripe um which is uh it's it's you know another tech company but um they they streamline everything and everything's pretty pretty easy um so yeah um that's that's basically it and um yeah i'll probably uh I should have talked to you about this beforehand, but we should we should set up some sort of a promo based on a, a growing chat extension of the URL or something like that. We'll work something out. Everybody keep listening and uh, maybe it'll be the sponsor for, for our sponsor for October. Um, <laughs> right. When you sign up, can you see the past edition? So if I want to see that Neil Tugani, Matt Pinson's interview. Right. Yeah. Yeah. As soon as you if, if you subscribe, you get access to all of the archives as well. Fantastic. Yeah. Now, the last thing I want to move on to is what's the future for rowing journalism? So I wouldn't call myself a journalist, but I'm a pretty active writer and content producer in and around 
uh, rowing, as as are you. Um, earlier this year, we both read Megan O'Leary's rant on her blog about the lack of coverage of the final trials that US rowing obviously does every year to select its team for the World Championships. And she was furious that there was no press release, there were no journalists on the spot. Mm-hmm. That contrasted somewhat with British rowing, who does have final trials and does invite journalists, but their journalists were all twittering about fury that British rowing had gagged them from taking any photographs or publishing any live video from the actual racing, even though I figured they were allowed to report the results afterwards, but that was a big change for them. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, I think, I think, um, for, for the U S for our purposes, I mean, it's, it's more just a question of, um, you know, who's, who's going to pay for it. <laughs> you know, um, there's, you know, part of the reason that there's not more rowing media is just that it's, it's difficult to find. Uh, there's not that many advertisers, um, and, you know, more broadly available advertising for the most part is, uh, not particularly relevant to rowing. Um, so, you know, um, subsidizing, uh, a lot of coverage is, is tough. And one of the things that actually in that, um, the Henley sort of article about the drones, everything that, you know, that's a, a great example of, of using the resources at hand, uh, to their fullest extent. Um, just because they, um, you know, that's, that's a, that's a regatta that's, that's somewhat uniquely positioned to, to be able to, to do that. Um, whereas trials, I mean, you know, even if you were to sell tickets, just, it's just harder to subsidize that kind of coverage. Um, so uh, also they move around and, um, yeah, different parts of the country. Know. And you, you live yeah. in a big country. I mean, in the UK yes. it's nearly yeah. always at Caversham or they're in Harzewinkle and Caversham is right. very easily accessible to a large part of the rowing population in the south and east of England. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, I think I think um, from the um, you know coverage perspective, um, you know, it's never it's for, for me it's never been a goal to really to to do just straight up coverage just because I feel like you know we're, we are living in a world where you know if you if you just want to know the headline uh, you can know that immediately um, so. Yeah, I, I think I think um, ironically enough, I actually did uh, a long interview with Kara Kohler. Um, bef- I don't know whether it was simultaneous with that post or, or beforehand, um, but that's in one of the uh, one of the newsletters from earlier this year. Just kind of on her training and background, um, and um, so obviously she uh, she had a good uh, good <laughs> world championships this year, so. So that worked out well for both of us. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think, you know, one of the things that Megan O'Leary was, was talking about is there's a, there's a lot of great stories. And, you know, I think the the folks of us that are sort of out there um, trying to, to write the long form stories about about rowing, um, you know, we're doing we're doing what we can with the kind of resources available. And, you know, if I if there were a way to um, subsidize travel out to uh, trials and and cover it in a you know um, a broader way then that would be that'd be great but yeah it's kind of sort of um, at this point 
it's not financially realistic, um, at least here in the U.S., um, to, to have that kind of a, an approach. So um, I certainly get that as an independent journalist for you. And so to contrast with British rowing, which perhaps as a federation is slightly better funded than U.S. rowing because the structures are somewhat different and they have a national lottery that is very orientated both to high performance sport and to grassroots sport. And so they keep some very active social media channels fully staffed and active and i think they do a pretty good job of publicizing the sport from indoor rowing to coastal rowing to cornish gig boat rowing to you name it they cover it um mm -hmm. and as a federation i think they're probably the gold standard um certainly australia tries hard but is a little bit again split so we now right. see crews starting their own instagram feed there was a cute one i picked up recently which is the danish women like the heavyweight mm -hmm. sweet women across the whole of the danish squad which is nice right. you know there's the deutschland yeah. achter they've been mm -hmm. running their website and their social media profiles for years and obviously right. different athletes have cycled through that program during that time but mm -hmm. they're now a brand you know yeah the sink of it yeah, no, think, hopefully think, when they are that'll be the end of that brand but you know it keeps right. going yeah no i think i think the you know that's something where social media has been great um it allows the athletes to connect directly and kind of share their experiences um i think um in cases like with the um you know with the deutschland actor um and also the skulls series that's been going on with their the german sculling team that that's a fantastic series um it's spelled uh, S X U L L S, I think, um, and that's it's that um, dot D E, I think, is there is the site. Um, but they've got a whole a, a series on how the trials have gone and the training and background on the athletes, and you know, it's. And I'm not 100% sure what inspired it, but obviously it's a professional production company that's come in and and really done an outstanding job. So you know, every now and then there are things like that, and you know, um, there is budget that appears and i think more often i mean in, in germany rowing is is just a little bit more of an established a mainstream er i guess sport than here in the u.s um so yeah um but i think you know going forward i mean it was, it's surprising to hear about um you know folks not being able to to take their own pictures or or um you know i don't know whether it was um posting the results immediately or, or taking video or something. I mean, that it seems um, like a little bit of a break with the past. Um, so I'm not sure what that's about really. Um, but uh, yeah, there, there, you know, there does seem to be um, maybe not across the board, but there does seem to be an increasing desire to kind of control all of the, the media surrounding uh, events um, these days. So. That's true. Not just events. I had an attempt to research an article about the contracts that international athletes are under in their contracting to the National Federation. Mm -hmm. And I did get some completely off the record responses with people actually showing me the clauses in their contracts that relate to media. Uh, sadly, I never managed to pull together enough different ones to actually make an article but if anyone's listening and wants to help me out anonymity guaranteed um, but it's very clear that some federations are pretty heavy-handed about what they will and will not allow an athlete to do mm. and yet what i find curious is the federation restricts their ability to speak to journalists but 
doesn't restrict their ability really to use Instagram. And of course, as a, you know, many bits of video, obviously images um, and other things are definitely news, what I would classify as news that leaks out. You know, someone says, I can't tell you the number, but so-and-so just did a really good ERG score. And, you know, that was big in the pre-Rio in the British heavy men. Yeah, um, yeah. I think it was mostly he was supposed to have beaten the world record, you know. That yeah, news got out pretty fast. Yeah, the the um, Stan Lelutis score too, I think, made it made it out as well. That was, yeah. So, um, yeah, there's definitely. I mean, because I, I I think you know if if you asked the federations if they would if they loved when that happens, uh, they probably you know wouldn't say yes. But um, yeah, I, I think you know it, it's just another reason why I think from for the the athletes themselves. Um, you know, building a little bit of a brand and connecting with with the rowing fans around the world, I think it's it's a great thing. Um, and uh, you know, it gives it gives people a real window into into their experience. And um, you know, I think it's also good when they share the the not so great parts of it too, just so people have an understanding. Um, you know, I think some people have taken some some done some pretty brave things. Um, of late um on instagram and and other social um just to kind of help you know paint a more complete picture of um of what's you know what their experience is um so yeah but i think you know going forward it's hard to say really i mean i think i think you know there's there's more and more outlets for news um i think to me what that means is you know, there will probably be more and more desire for curation and for, you know, not authoritative, but at least informed voices to create editorial, um, just because there's just so much more to process and there's so much more out there. Um, so I think, um, <clears throat> yeah, going forward, I, I think there's still going to be, there's going to be a lot of opportunity. Um, there's more material to talk about. The sport's evolving. The, it's growing internationally. There's this question of what we're going to do about the Olympics and what the format's going to be and whether it's going to change and, and all that. Um, so that's all interesting discussion fodder. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, here the the hard part is that the market is still pretty small and and traditional means of advertising are are not really viable. Um, at least in terms of website, you know, driving, driving traffic side, side of things. So, um, yeah, I, I think, um, I think it's, it's, I don't know how to sum it up, but it, it's, it's in a, in a place where, um, there's a lot, there's a lot of opportunity. Um, and you know, I, I, I think every now and then somebody comes up with something totally new, like the, you know, the, the fatter goes approach. Um, uh, if you, if you, if you do come up with something that's totally new or something that is not currently being done, people notice and people appreciate it. Um, so yeah. Um, I'm not sure what the next thing is going to be. Um, but, uh, be interesting, uh, interesting to, to watch and wait. I'm secretly hoping the next thing is going to be podcasting. <laughs> Yeah, I would yeah. say that, wouldn't I? <laughs> right, right. Yeah, no, I think so, I think you know your your approach to the international um, having sort of an international uh, um, you know 
uh, series of different podcasts from different perspectives. I think that's that's a good. It kind of gets at what I'm saying. Or there's there's a lot of um, opportunity for for people to kind of curate things, bring them together, and give people one place to go to to learn about a lot of different things that otherwise are pretty fractured. If anyone listening would like to join the Rowing Chat podcast network with a new show, a new voice, please get in touch. You don't have to commit forever. I think there's scope for short series, you know, four or five episodes on something in particular. So, um, yeah, do do just get in touch with us. We're easy to find online. Now, before we wrap, Brian, I'd love to get a rowing tale for you. As listeners know, I curate an anthology, a printed book every year that's called Rowing Tales and then the year. I'm just coming up to the uh, final few days to collate this year's one. Have you got a rowing tale for us? Um, well, yeah, I guess the the it's it's a little on the short side, but I just always I always think of this. So first uh, first time I went to um, to Henley, um, I went with the the New York Athletic Club um, in a a Y-fold four. And one of the folks that was in that uh, was Rob Milam, who's now he's fairly high up in, in U.S. rowing. Um, but uh, just, you know, he had rowed at Princeton and, and uh, competed for for the New York AC for a lot, a lot of years. And it was not his first first trip. And, and uh, he always kind of uh, went out of his way to take me under his wing a little bit. Um, and um, yeah, the, one of the I actually didn't have any of the appropriate clothes um to go to <laughs> so fortunately we were it was a mostly lightweight boat so we were all basically the same size so rob gave me uh you know effectively a suit um including shoes uh and i, I showed up the first first day and i had i'd buttoned my my jacket and he just looks at me and shakes his head and he points at the buttons on my coat and he says Sometimes, always, never, as he goes down there, because <laughs> I had buttoned the bottom button. Um, so, yeah, I, I, you know, I, I just look at that as kind of one of those. I had to laugh at myself, and, and also he, uh, you know, again, a, a, an example of him kind of show, showing me the ropes in as nice a way as he as he could. That is a fabulous tale, and if anybody knows the rules of gentlemen's dress in the UK. There are a lot of rules that you can break unwittingly. <laughs> right, right, yeah, and I, maybe that's a good one for Jack Carlson too. I'm, I'm sure Jack would have been shaking his head at my my look, but. Um. <laughs> and since that time, I hope you've got yourself your own blazer. I do, and actually, now I am the proud owner of a London Rowing Club uh, blazer that I I make sure to don um, every New Year's, um, so <laughs> with the <laughs> remnant tie and everything, so. I was going to say, for the humor factor for your American friends who haven't got a clue what they're looking at. They have no idea what's happening. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's all part of the fun. Brian, thank you. It's been great having you on the show. I think we should do this more frequently. And to the listeners, if they want to get a hold of you, where's the best way to connect with you online? Um, really, I mean, the, it's all it's all linked from, from rowingrelated.com. So, um Social media is all there, and um, the eight years of content still there. Um, and then yeah, there's a link to the newsletter there as well. So um, that's probably the best uh, best spot. 
Thank you so much for giving us your time. And to the listeners, please continue to support Rowing Chat. We are advertising supported and you can see our monthly advertisers at rowing.chat forward slash sponsors. Different ones cycle through during the months and we definitely appreciate it if you can support us by supporting them. Till next time. Goodbye. All right. Well, thank you very much. (laughs) 